Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, yeah, milk sops. Uh, that's the only podcast that's hosted by two brothers talking about comic books that they grew up loving. Um, that was something we've researched. It's been proven time and time again. There's no other podcast like this. Yep. So get ready for a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and my brother are both comedians living on opposite coasts. I'm one of those brothers, Kevin Hines. And the other brother, Will Hines. I live in California. Kevin lives in New Jersey. That's right. I'm a real Jersey person. A Jersey male, you might say. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a Jersey resident as a... I often say when I do my taxes. And uh, we talk about comic books. And uh, right now we're in the middle of doing a little grab bag of comics that Kevin Hines likes. I mean, really, we're at the end of this little grab bag. Today's the last one. Today's the last one. Then we're taking a a Christmas break. little three-episode season. Uh, We're going to take a little break for the holidays, and we'll come back sometime in January where we're going to tackle Marvel superheroes Secret War. Secret Wars. Secret Wars. I'm saying Marvel superheroes though, because there's another Secret Wars they do later on that does not have that full title. Oh. Um, well, they do Secret Wars two. That's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, they just they, they just like the name five again years later? ago. Yeah, just they always redo names. There's always uh, uh, crises at DC and Secret and Wars <laughs> and Infinities. Infinity Gauntlet sort of has worked its way into the the equation, so those <laughs> things just come up a lot. All right. Uh, there's um, a secret invasion. There's a civil war. So exciting. Anyway, we're yeah. doing the original Marvel Marvel superhero secret wars. Yeah, Marvel's very first <clears throat> line wide event. We're going to cover that one, but that's January. That's, that's January. not today. Today we're going to do Black Hammer issue two. Yeah, that's right. Uh, this is a series that's being put out by Dark Horse Comics by Jeff Lemire. It's drawn by Dean Ormston. Uh, Jeff Lemire is like an indie uh, darling. He writes and he also draws sometimes, uh, and he's really good. He's putting out a lot of material, and this is one of those things that he's putting out or put out. Um, it's sort of built into its own little universe. It was a 12-issue series called Black Hammer, and then it was followed up with a Black Hammer Age of Doom that was all, uh, actually, I think the first one was 13 issues, whatever. Second one was about 12 issues, and then there's tons and tons of like mini series that are all really good. Generally written by Jeff Lemire, drawn by a series of talents, all exploring different characters from within this universe. And they're all really great. Uh, what'd you think of issue two? Will? I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. I had yeah, never heard of it. I knew nothing about it. It's very popular. Uh, last week we did bang, which, uh, I don't hear that much about, uh, it might be it's it's newer, so maybe it will become popular. This was popular right out of the gate. It's not like a huge hit. It's still a dark horse superhero comic that is not Marvel or DC, mm-hmm. um, but it's very popular. It's definitely got a big following. People are excited that we're covering it. I've gotten some emails and posts on our uh, social media accounts. People are excited that we're covering it even a little bit. Mm. Um, so that's great. It's interesting too. It's one of these books, and there's lots of these books. You've read some of these. That kind of deals with uh, like homages to other right. characters we're familiar with. This like is, Supreme by Alan Moore is like a Superman comic book. Yeah, there's lots of comic books that are essentially 
kind of like repurposing like either old characters and thinly disguised new names or just old types of heroes. Yeah. I mean, what Watchmen was doing that. Sure. Um, Uh, Astro city does that to some extent. mm -hmm. Um, planetary does that to some extent. I mean, most of these are good enough. They're all done by good enough writers that what starts off as a Superman book finds its own thing. Right. They're they're the kinds Uh, of books that are like when something comes up, you're like, Oh, this is supposed to be the Hulk or whatever. Or like yeah. this character is supposed to be, I don't know, Dick Tracy or something. Right. And I'm generally those are like jumping off points. And so this this book is basically filled with a bunch of characters that sort of feel like that too. This feels like yeah, they have very most clear of these characters analogs. feel like, yeah, they're ripped from uh, DC comics. Um, but then like they all have their own twists and changes to that. So they're pretty different when you get down to it. But their DNA is shared with like a classic DC character generally. Um, yeah, that's definitely a, um, that is definitely like one of the elements that goes into this book from what I could tell, sort of like the fun of repurposing old superhero templates in a new context. That's definitely part of the fun. I will say it's done so much that when I first read about this, I was like, eh, I'm not interested. Okay. Uh, just because I, I, you see it done so often, it's like I don't need to read another comic book that is basically someone doing their what DC Comics, but if you could change stuff, yeah. Um, but then I read it, and it's like, oh yeah, Jeff Lemire's a really good writer, and Dean Ormson's a really good artist, so of course it's really good, yeah. And of course, like I'm shortchanging when I say it's just redoing those characters, but um, well, that's definitely something that you do think when you read. I just read it today for the first time I knew nothing about it so I can definitely say like that's a big part of the experience at least of the first couple issues is like yeah oh this character is supposed to be this other not supposed to be but this character is inspired by this other one that I know yeah that's right I picked issue two over issue one uh issue one's good it's a nice introduction to the the world uh, but I picked issue two because uh, after issue one like the next five or six issues all deal with like flashbacks to prior to the series and so I wanted to do one with one of those flashbacks. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Lost. The, yeah, the first season um, of the tele- television show Lost, where like you, each episode, you kind of like learned the backstory of one of the characters. That's right. Yeah, it does have a little bit of that going on. It's exactly uh, like so, Lost, is what I'm saying. In I every mean, way, there's definitely some differences. <laughs> They're not on an island, <laughs> and that one stands out to me right away. Uh-huh. There's no plane crash. Right. Not yet. Okay, well, fair enough. <laughs> Might get retconned um, in. Uh, yeah, so uh, so I skipped issue one. You should definitely read that if you're going to read issue two, I recommend. Yeah. Um, you should read all 12 issues if, uh, if you're enjoying them, and then read the sequel series. And I think read all the spinoffs. They're all really great. The characters that get mentioned for like a panel or uh, just kind of you see them once get their own stories. Yeah. Uh, and they're all really fun. But this is a story of a handful of characters, a handful of superheroes that have somehow been trapped on a farm yeah. in the country uh, where nobody knows about them as superheroes or uh, superheroes at all. Right. And they can't leave this farm area. They can't leave this town. And uh, they're sort of in hiding and they don't know what to do. And we don't really, I think when it starts, we don't fully know why they're here or What's really going on? Yeah. All that gets answered by the end of the second miniseries, I will say. This is not one of these mysteries that uh, you read 24 issues and you're like, does it it doesn't even all get answered by the end of the first one? No. Oh, interesting. 
I might I might finish it. I read the first four issues today. I might I might go back and read all of it. Well, it's very popular. You'll be a very cool person on the streets of LA if you have read it. I can't wait to walk down the streets of LA being like, that's right, I read Black Hammer. Hey, John Hamm, you over there. You want to talk about yeah. Black Hammer? Hey. And he'll say, yes, <laughs> I'm auditioning to play. <laughs> I don't know who you would play in this. Talkie Walkie, maybe? In one of the flashbacks? <laughs> John Hamm is Talkie Walkie? <laughs> yeah, it's just in the voice. It's easy for him. <laughs> N- none of them look like John Hamm, so I don't know who he's pulling off. Uh, Abe Slam in flashbacks, maybe? Maybe, but I think you, you you get an actor and you de-age them. That's how they do it nowadays. That's what I, that's what I want to happen to have happen to me. <laughs> Just permanently? Just de-bald me. Um, you want to get into it, Will? I do want to get into it. Great. So this issue focuses on uh, basically their Shazam character, their Captain Marvel character. Yes. Who uh, I didn't we, I didn't even realize she was a Captain Marvel character before this issue. Okay, great. Um, well, she is. Yeah. Uh, and that's a fun character to play with. Obviously, Alan Moore played with it a lot in Miracle Man. Yeah, big time. Um, and it's a fun thing. Though This is sort of the inverse of that, right? Normally, uh, Captain Marvel is a character who is Billy Batson. He's a kid who turns into a, an adult with superpowers. Right. This is, uh, well, this is someone who turns into a kid with superpowers, and they're eternally a kid as the superhero. And their, their secret identity, their human identity, ages normally. Right. But throughout their life, when they turn into the superhero guys, they're always back as a kid. So when she started as a superhero, she was a kid as well. Um, and we're going to see in this comic that she is now an adult. Spoiler for the comic that hopefully you've already read before you read along with us. So it's called The Curse of Zafram. So, Kevin, what do you think of this cover? Uh, I love it. I mean, it's just a, it's a very classic superhero cover. Giant robot with uh, eye beams shining down on yeah. uh, on Gale. That's her superhero. Uh, maybe also her real name. Um, and she's standing on the roof of a building defiantly. This is and is obviously taken from her time before being captured on the farm. This is some kind of flashback to her superhero days. Yes, that's her times in Spiral City, the city where all these characters sort of with their home base, their metropolis, their New York City. Um, it's a great cover. Oh, it's yeah. I love Dean Ormstern. He was the secondary artist on Lucifer that Mike Carey did, which is a book I love and I've talked about occasionally. So I really like his art. Uh, this is an interesting series, and I don't remember the specific details of it, and I should have just looked it up before we started recording, but I didn't. Uh, but Dean Ormstern had some health problems right when they started making this book, and Jeff Lemire was like, "Okay, I'll wait till you're better." Oh wow! Instead of like making a book, and this has probably made Dean a lot of money. He must be very grateful that Jeff waited for him. Instead uh, of getting another artist. Yeah, I think he was just like, this is, you're the guy I was going to make this with, so I'm not going to shop it around like or draw it myself. Jeff Lemire is a very talented artist. He could have drawn it himself. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, I love Dean and I love Jeff for taking care of my boy. Your boy, our boy, uh, our boy Dean. Yeah, who I've never met, but, you know. And we have really have no possession over. Uh, so uh, this issue opens in Spiral City during a, a thunderstorm, and young Gale, pre 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 superhero Gale, is going into a movie theater. We see the classic movie theater font, the sort of like old school movie cinema font on a marquee, and she is a I don't know how old she's supposed to be eight or something, 
And yeah. she's, we see in her thought balloons that she just wants to spend, she just, just doesn't want to be at the orphanage where I guess she lives. So she's just going to the movies to hide from it. Right. It's fun. The captions for these, is the place is Spiral City, but the time is the golden age is the time uh, that they've captioned this as. Right. It's the golden, it's the golden age for the characters. And also it's very reflect, reflective of the golden age of comics. Yes. Um, and so she buys a ticket uh, for this. Uh, there's a sort of a shadowy man selling tickets. Um, who knows her name? Yeah. Um, and he just gives to you, her a movie Mister, you a copper or something? And the shadowy figure says, "No, Gail Gibbons, I am no policeman. Just a friend who wants you to be safe. Here, take this movie ticket." And then he sort of vanishes into a little bit of smoke. And you know, like anybody in that situation, they go into the movie theater. And it is empty. There's no one in the movie theater. There's no movie. I would say this. she got ripped off because she's not getting well, a movie. it was a free ticket. I mean, she got what she paid for. Still, expectations are not being met here. To some degree, she's being let down as a consumer. Yeah. There is, though, a creepy old man with a white beard and a staff, sort of a Gandalf-looking dude standing mm-hmm. at the uh, base of the screen and like yelling a, at her. And like a lot of characters in narrative fiction, rather than explain what's going on, he just starts talking. Yeah. He goes, Gail Gibbons, are you worthy? Which is, uh, that's a rough conversation opener. Uh, for, uh, my answer is always yes. You're just ready to answer that question at any point? <laughs> Anyone who asks if I'm worthy, I just say yes. Gail makes sense to me here. She goes, who's there? And then he says, I am the wizard Zafram, which I guess is from his perspective, a reasonable answer. Sure. Yeah. At this point now, they've settled into a nice rapport. Um, uh, she repeats his name because it's a strange name to her. Sort of rude to make fun of someone's name, but she's a girl, a young girl. Yeah. Uh, and she just says, Zafram? And and then uh, gets hit by lightning. And turned into a superhero with a little yes, domino right. mask and everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, he tells her that Zafram, his name, is the golden word. It is prophesied that when someone worthy and pure of heart speaks it, they shall inherit his power. He says something a little interesting here um, when he reveals to her that he gave her his power so that he could be free. Um, he says, yes, you see, I have been imprisoned here in this world between worlds for eons. And now my power with my power safe inside of you, I can be free at last. And why is he calling it a world between worlds? I don't know. That's uh, that does not get explained. He dies. He dies. It's over. Uh, I mean, we're in a comic book where there's like some kind of alternate universe thing happening, right? Where there's Spiral City and then there's the world where our heroes are currently trapped. There's at least that much. We know that now. Uh, We cut back to what the location of issue one was, which is at the farm. Uh, Gail, who... uh, is a, an adult woman in a young girl's body is sort of sitting on a, a, a fence post trying to say the magic word, but obviously not changing. It doesn't work here. She's stuck as Golden Gale. Yeah, so she has all her powers, but um, she's in the body of a little girl and in, yes. and in a town where it's kind of dangerous to reveal her powers, so they're almost kind of no good to her. That's right. Um, and, and, you know, she's like lived a life and she just can't be an adult it's frustrating. She has to go to school. She's riding a school bus. She's getting ready to go in the school bus. So when we see her here with the man posing as her grandfather, Abraham Slam, which I love that name. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I guess the rationale is they have to blend in and it's a small town, so it'd be noticeable if there's a nine-year-old girl not going to school. Uh, Gail says to Abe as she's walking towards the school bus, but I'm not nine years old, Abe. I'm 55. (laughs) And his response is, and you smell like gin. Have you already started? And her response is, how the hell else am I going to get through this fucking charade? Kevin, how do you think you'd take it if you had to go through fourth grade again right now in a fourth grade body? I'd probably clean up. That's what I was thinking. I'd crush. First of all, I'd have fractions down. Yeah. Fourth grade especially, like the math and things you learn in fourth grade, that's easy stuff. It's easy. Very you easy. You get to middle school or high school, maybe it gets tricky. I don't oh, know. Oh, sure. If I redo like high school calculus, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. But fourth but, grade math? Let me add it. I would be top of my class. Yeah. Uh, if I was in my nine-year-old body, I still would not be cool. Right. But maybe it would be because you'd have such confidence. You'd be like the well, smartest, it, coolest kid. If I had a nine-year-old with superpowers body... I think I'd be doing pretty good. You'd be winning a tag. <laughs> Man, I would crush a tag finally. Yeah. Um, so she gets on the bus and she looks miserable. Meanwhile, Abraham Slam is sad to watch her go away in the bus. Abraham Slam is kind of the Papa Bear of this group. He's kind of the caretaker, it seems. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I picked this issue also is we get a nice glimpse of all the characters. Some of the issues you don't see all the characters. They don't all get to do something. Uh-huh. Uh, and this one, we at least get a glimpse of every character. You get a taste of all of them. So if you'd only read these first two issues or even just this issue, Will, yeah. I wanted to make sure you saw all the characters. Abraham Slam is sort of just a, a sort of wildcat from the DC universe. He's just a, a, a fighter, a boxer yeah. who put on tights and started fighting crime. A little bit of Captain America in his origin, just in his predicament. Yes, um, and and that's another thing. Like about these, like I said, these all have like a little twist. Sometimes they have multiple kind of things going on. He feels most like Wildcat to me. There's definitely some Captain America because he wasn't allowed to Enlist. serve in the war, but he yeah. didn't take super soldier serum. Just worked out a bunch. He just got ripped. Yeah. He did it. You know, Captain America did it the coward's way through drugs. Right. Abraham Slam did it the Christian and religious way, which is through working out. Yeah. Uh, we cut away to Talkie Walkie and Barbalian. Bar, bar <laughs> it's hard to say out loud. It's easy to read, hard to say. Barbalian. Yeah, Barbalian clearly based on John Jones. Yes, he's clearly the Martian Manhunter. Talkie Walkie, I don't really know who he's based on, despite everything I just said. He sort of feels like his own thing. Yeah. Um, I love Talkie Walkie, by the way. What do you love about him? I love archaic robots. Um, I mean, he looks like a real lost in space robot. Yeah. I like like robots that are sort of seem like they're going to fall apart at any moment. But clearly are high tech. He's a sentient robot. Yeah. Actually, you know, he kind of looks like he looks like something out of Hellboy. He looks like sort of an Abe Sapien kind of. Yeah, he would fit right in with the, those guys. You know, like that kind of steampunk combination, old school science fiction, but futuristic fantasy stuff. He can hang out with Roger the homunculus. Yeah. And not miss a beat. Um, Uh, And uh, anyway, Talkie Walkie is building a, like basically a satellite, a probe that he's going to shoot out of this farm. He's trying to figure out why they're trapped or why they can't leave and see if he can contact anyone. He's using science to try to solve this problem. Also, now if it was Captain America, the coward, he would try to use drugs. But oh, yeah. Talkie Walkie. Like, Let's science. all do some cocaine. Yeah. 
See if that gets us out of here. I've got an idea to beat the Red Skull. Let's try a big hit of methamphetamine. Yeah. Let's do some LSD and just trip for a while. That'll solve our problem. Our internal problems. But not Taki Walkie. Taki Walkie's a robot. He can't do drugs. So he uses science. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got a probe, and the idea is he's going to launch it beyond the boundaries of where they're trapped to see if it can journey somewhere and make contact with somebody. Yeah. Um, Barbalian reveals that uh, this is his 10th attempt or his yep. 11th attempt, maybe. Um, oh, no. He, uh, he sort of implies that Takiwaki cracks him and says this is only his sixth attempt. Yeah. But he has tried five times that have failed completely. This seems to be copying the Watchmen television show that would come out later. So this is copying the, the show that did not exist at that time is what mm-hmm. you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Because there was a, there was a subplot on the Watchmen television show sure. of somebody trapped mm-hmm. away from Earth and constructing little science experiments to try to make contact. Well, uh, they should sue Jeff Lemire and Dean Armstrong, who I said needed this money probably. They should sue the pants off that guy. They'd lose, but it would be a fun lawsuit. Yeah. Well, they might win. They've probably got Warner Brothers behind them. So Takiwaki is ready to launch this probe and have it go beyond the boundaries of the town and come back. And he launches it. We see it leave. We're watching his little meter and it stays in contact with the probe. But then once it leaves the boundaries of the town, it stops sending a signal and is basically out of range or gone or something. Yeah. Uh, Barbellion says maybe the seventh one, maybe number seven will work. Uh, and Takiwaki sadly agrees. Barbellion's a fun character too. I don't know how much of that's been revealed by issue two. Not much. Uh, but his, his issue is um, three. Yeah, his issue's coming up, but he's a very fun character. There's lots of twists to him. But the Martian Manhunter story that he shares is he's from another planet, Mars, and that he is somehow he came to Earth and he's a shapeshifter, so he basically disguises himself as a human. human uh, uh and then in his spare time looks like an alien, but also a superhero. So he's a cop during the day and an alien superhero at night. That's sort of what Martian Manhunter does. Yeah. And Barbalian is cut from that same cloth. Also, uh, Martian Manhunter's American name is John Jones, which is an approximation yes. of his Martian name. And Barbalian's name is Mark Mance. <laughs> yeah. So in case you didn't already get that he's supposed to be inspired by John Jones... That's a little, uh, little, little extra hint. Though, I mean, Martian Manhunter's a pretty big character, but he's not so big that everyone knows him, right? Right. It'd be pretty easy to pick up this comic and never have heard of Martian Manhunter, I yes, think. Yes, that's right. I think that's right. Uh, and I'd say the same is true for Wildcat. Probably not Captain Marvel. I think people at least know yeah. the trappings of that character. And there's just been the movie out. Yeah, people know Shazam. Yeah. Um, but they don't know this next character. We cut back to the main house where they all live, or the, I guess, house next door to where they live or something. Yeah, there's a cabin next to the farmhouse they all live in. Uh, it's a creepy little uh, house it's like where an Dragonfly. Yeah, like Madam Dragonfly lives here. She's sort of the witch character, sort of the um, Madam Xanadu or Dr. Fate or one of those characters, sort of the right. mystical entity. And she's being visited by uh, Colonel Weird. <laughs> yeah. Who is like one part Adam Strange, two parts just insane. <laughs> He's like a guy in a spacesuit who floats around like an apparition. But he talks yeah. like Delirium in Sandman comics where he has like 
I don't know, like wobbly letters in his word balloons and yeah. kind of doesn't always make sense. He's rambling kind of like a like a lunatic. He's definitely unmoored from reality. Yeah. Um and time. But uh, to to what extent is not clear at this point in the comic. And he talks about going back and forth to the Parazone and the other characters say, you've been spending a lot of time in the Parazone. But I, as a reader, do not yet know what that is here in issue right. two. We'll learn about the Parazone on his solo issue. That is basically where he has his adventures. That's sort of like where Adam Strange spends a lot of time on Ron, the planet Ron. Adam Strange is a character who he's a hero of two worlds. He's a man on Earth who gets magically or scientifically transported to another planet, Ron, where he is a superhero. He's sort of John Carter of Mars archetype, where he is a superhero on this other planet. Uh, and this guy, a Colonel Weird, sort of is a hero of the Parazone in a way. Okay. That's underselling his story completely, but it's, I don't want to waste, uh, ruin it for Will, who has not read it yet, but that's the, the, the merest glimpse of what his deal is. I love Colonel Weird as well. He's very funny. He's like, He's like a really fun presence. He's so random. He looks crazy. Um, I mean, his eyes are completely bugged out, and um, his, he's basically agape all the time. But yeah, he's here he, checking uh, in on Madame Dragonfly. He's worried about her. Yeah, Madame Dragonfly goes into her, her house to find him already there, and the first thing he says to her is, Madame Dragonfly, I do not like it here in your cabin. Yeah. But, but she didn't invite him in. He just sort of is there. His complaint is funny. There are too many rooms. She goes, more mm-hmm. than you know, which is that's a very witch thing to have like more rooms in your house than seems physically possible. Yes, that's right. That's a good, good move. Um, uh, then we flash she, says back. It's, she says it's creepy that he uh, is here and he just goes, you're creepy. <laughs> oh, I skipped over something. I was going to move on to the next sequence, but he basically implies that Madame Dragonfly is her mother, is um the mother of Gail Gibbons. Yes, so in this world, Madam Dragonfly is posing as the mom, Colonel Weird as the dad, Abraham Slam as the grandpa, Gail as the daughter, and I, I think Mark Marks is uh, an uncle. And uh, Talkie Walkie just hides out because he's a robot. There's no way to yep. make him play a role. Uh, we haven't seen at this point uh, any of them act like Abraham Slam's the only one who seems to act normal. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I think we saw Mark Mance in the last issue be a little normal. A little bit, yeah. So now we flash back to Gail Gibbons' time as a superhero when she's like a teenager in high school, and there's a giant robot attacking the city. And so she, in her civilian identity, um, oh, and the villain looks a lot like Dr. Savannah, Savannah, so, what, yeah, the um, Doctor Savannah. His name is Doctor Sherlock Frankenstein, <laughs> and he uh, also has his own. Ser- we see, we learn more about him in some uh, mini series as well as future issues of this comic. He's great. And somehow, while Gail is in her high school phase of her life, she thinks just like a 1950s romance comic, like a Roy Lichtenstein print, where she's like boy crazy. Yeah. Um, and so that's like her like internal pressure. She, we, she thinks to herself, when I become golden Gale, I change back into a little girl. Brock Hansen is so dreamy. If he saw me like that, he'd never ask me to prom. Um, yeah. Right? So her big concern is like, should I save the city or should I try to get a date to prom? She makes the right choice according to the cover. Cause we saw on the cover, she's facing off against, uh, Sherlock Frankenstein's giant robot as Gale. 
But then we cut to the current time, and she's in her elementary school, hiding in the bathroom, propped up, sitting on the back of a toilet, smoking. <laughs> she is nine years old. Yeah. And she's puffing away in that cigarette like a champ. And either the teacher or her principal kind of finds her. Gail, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in class saying, lady, are you, are you smoking? And her response is, shit. Yeah. A very fun thing is on the next page, we cut to Abraham Slam, where it's starting to rain as he's taking care of his uh, sheep. Uh, Takiwaki comes down and goes, phone, it's the school again. Gail's in trouble. And his response is the same. He just goes, shit. That's a nice parallel construction right there. Um, you want to take a short break? You know, I was hoping you would ask that. Well, I did. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. We are back. So when we left off, the characters of Black Hammer had given up worrying about trying to escape from the farm and instead had started an aggressive book club. It's really aggressive. They are using their powers to force the people in this town to be in their book club and discuss books nobody wants to read. Big, long, academic tomes that have lots of footnotes and are just boring. Yeah. Abraham Slam seems really into like uh, a couple of these books on the science of gardening. It's way too much information on gardening. They get into like the oxen, you know, how algae can help to provide oxygen for dirt. To follow this comic, you really need to follow the... The, the suggested URLs that are uh, Typed just out. printed in the comics. So you need to go to a web page and type them in. But They're so long. Uh, there's a lot of information that without, without which these comics don't make sense. Well, we're kidding. <laughs> you're kidding. Uh, instead, they're at uh, uh, great, uh, the grade school. Abraham Slam has shown up to talk to the, the principal about uh, Gail's smoking problem. Posing as her grandfather, even though he knows that he's not really her grandfather and knows that she's um, 55 years old. Yeah. And, you know, Abe is both empathetic to what Gail is going through, but also frustrated that she just can't play along. Yeah. Um, I can understand why he's frustrated. Um, and this principal's mad that the mom and dad never show up. It's always the grandpa that she has to talk to. Uh, and a little close-minded of her. A lot of grandparents raise their kids wonderfully, um, but they this, want to speak to her parents. This comic is really standing up for the grandparents who raise their children. Uh, but then the mom does show up. It's yep. Madame Dragonfly in a sort of civilian guy. She looks like a normal adult woman. Yeah, she is no longer dressed as a witch with uh, big dragonfly wings. Um she comes in for this meeting, but she doesn't really have the meeting. She just sort of casts a spell on the principal. Yeah. Does a little Jedi mind trick to make the principal think that Gail is doing great. Yeah. She speaks in a uh, another language that we can't read. And the principal goes, of course, Gail is an ideal student. We were so lucky to have her here at St. Mark's. 
I'm glad you and your father could stop by so I could tell you how wonderfully she's doing, Miss, Mrs. Slamstein. <laughs> so they're, they're taking Abe's uh, name as her family name. That's nice. Now we uh, cut to them walking outside, problem resolved, and Madam Dragonfly just lets herself appear like a witch again. And Abe is like, Dragonfly, someone will see you. And her response is, not unless I want them to, Abraham. Man, there's kind of fun parts to being a witch. Yeah. And then we uh, find Gale, out that Dragonfly and Gale don't like each other. Gail doesn't really like anyone. Uh, well, she likes a few people, but she gets mad at everyone. She's often angry in these in the pages of this comic. Uh, I can't decide what's more humiliating, having to go to fourth grade again, being talked down to by that old prude in there, or having to pretend this hag is actually my mother. And Dragonfly's response is, if I had really given birth to a spawn like you, Gail, I would have killed myself a long time ago. Um, um, which, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in that, that passage that'll mean some more if you keep reading this comic. Uh, that happens a lot as you reread this. It's a good comic to reread. Um, so then we get a little moment with Abe and Gail in the truck alone and she just seemed to be kind of nice to Abe, uh, and she apologizes and just, you know, expresses how hard her life is. You know, Abe is also, he is empathetic, which makes it easier to not hate Abe even if he's kind of making her do a thing she doesn't want to do. We're doing our best, Gail. We're all just trying to make this work, make some kind of life here. Oh, yeah, we found out the first issue. They've been here 10 years. Yes, they've been here a long time. Yeah. Um, So then we have another flashback, and in the flashback, we sort of kind of move through Gail's life. We see her as a woman in her 20s turning into... Uh, Golden Gale. Then we see a kind of a middle-aged version turning into Golden Gale, and then an older woman, woman, in her, yeah, like a grandmother-looking woman. Yes, that's right. Uh, and sort of it's it's interspersed with action shots of Golden Gale uh, fighting things and saving people. It's sad. So it's just it's really hitting home. Even though we heard her say she's fifty-five, now we're seeing that like she sort of reluctantly stayed a superhero. Yeah. Um, there were parts of it that were good, but it also just got weirder and weirder as she got older. And then yeah. she mentions, she's talking to Abe and she's like, then when we came here, my magic word just didn't work anymore. Yeah. And she just tries screaming out Zafram in frustration and she can't change. And Abe doesn't know what to say. It's all right, Gail. And he hugs her. What are we going to do? She says, and he's like, got any of that gin left? Alcohol is the answer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's nice. He basically, he's not telling her she can't do those things. He just doesn't want her doing them at, on a school day. <laughs> it's a good parent, right? He's he's fitting into his role, even though they're all peers, basically. He's a good he's a good little daddy. Yeah. He is sort of the elder statesman of these heroes, as it is anyway. Um, and then on the last page, Kevin. Yes. It's kind of a big reveal. We are it's we are in space and we see Takiwaki's probe appear in the middle of nowhere, zipping along, and then we see it heading right to Earth. Yep. So Takiwaki's probe, di- even though he lost contact with it, it seems to have worked. Pretty good for a for a robot. Yeah. Um, and that's our issue. Do they talk about Black Hammer himself in the first issue? A very little bit, but they get into him more in issue three. Right. So Black Hammer. Um, as far as from issue two's perspective is uh, was sort of like a, a very powerful member of the group who died trying to leave this farm. 
Yeah. And that's what this title is named after him, who's not even in the book, really. Um, his hammer is left behind, though. Yeah. And like Thor, I don't think any of them can pick it up. Um, yeah. And that's our issue. Yeah. Uh, so it's an intriguing mystery. It's an interesting comic. Not a ton of action happens really ever. Um, it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of them just navigating this farm. It's right up Jeff Lemire's uh, alley. He likes to write these sort of he likes to write sort of mundane comics. Uh, he does some fantastical ones too. But he has he's made his, he's cut his teeth on a lot of like you know, Canadian uh, coal miners type <laughs> comics and stuff like that. Uh, so it really fits in there. It's, it's it's a nice way for him to do a superhero book. But uh, as I said, like there's all these miniseries exploring these characters. Like we'll see Sherlock Frankenstein in another miniseries. Um, uh, there's one about Colonel Weir that's going on right now. That's really fun. That's an exploration of him growing up. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of this own little pocket universe of Jeff Lemire books, sort of like Hellboy, sort of like these other every now and these titles come along where it's just like, oh yeah, they just keep making more comics that fit into this little mini universe. This one feels so contained and and doable to read it all. It's nice. What do you think it is that made you like it? Like if you had, you had some hesitancy initially. So what about it? Do you think convinced you that it was good? Uh, I mean, I think Jeff Lemire just writes good characters and that's such Mm -hmm. a, that's maybe such a simple answer, but um, I've read a lot by Jeff Lemire and I've, I've liked 99% of it. Um, So, it should have just been a no brainer to get it. I mean, I did buy the first issue and try it. So I guess I didn't fight it that hard when it was announced. I wasn't that excited about it, but the combination of him writing it and an artist I enjoyed was enough for me to check it out. But I I was expecting to not love it. And I will say that I probably don't love it as much as people love, love, love it. I sort of enjoyed a lot of the spinoff miniseries more. Um, they're like little four issue, two issue, uh, stories uh those I, I i get a bigger kick out of but uh i definitely enjoy this like i wasn't as into the mystery when i was reading it when i reread it i enjoyed the mystery more but i sort of just enjoy the character like just seeing abraham slam hang out with gail and barbalian yeah um abraham slam has a girlfriend in this town it's like that stuff's the part i kind of got into i just the gilmore girls side of it all yeah um I uh, I liked it because uh, I I agree the characters were good the the conversations are good there there's like a good sense of humor built in um like a good sense of irony like oh yeah what if Shazam was the the powers are a kid version and he's trapped as that kid um yeah I didn't know this when it first started but I also do appreciate that it's not a six I don't think this should would work as a sixty issue mystery you like get sort of a, a sort of an end to it if they were still trapped in this farm after 50 issues uh i don't think i would i would be that into it anymore if i had to read all 10 years of them being trapped here uh, but the fact that like at the end of this 12 issues there's sort of a quasi break uh and then there's another 12 issues that sort of wrap it up that feels good to me it feels like oh i got to read this whole story it only took two years of uh, comic book time what do you think it is about this phenomenon of these types of story, these types of series that like, like you were saying, like Astro City, uh, like this, that's sort of like, hey, we're going to take a Superman-ish character or whoever and like 
put a twist on it. I don't know. I think it is. If you're going to do a superhero story with a twist, it's probably a lot of work to come up with an original, completely original superhero that you're not even going to really use for that. I mean, even Bang that we covered last week, right? That's a pretty original story, but it's built dealing with archetypes of James Bond. Yeah, James Bond and, and John McClane and uh, other characters like that. Little Knight Rider. It's a bunch yeah. of like action genre stuff that they've sort of pulled in. It's it, it's easier. I mean, it also I think helps people if they if they are fam- if it's if you're doing like a Superman story analog. I think it's real easy for people to like, okay, I get, I get the trappings of this. So now I can just look for the things that are different. I can focus on what's different about this Superman. You don't need to spend a ton of time on setting up their status quo. He's a newspaper reporter. He's, uh, he's in love with his coworker, like all those things you, you, you'll accept very quickly. So the shorthand is part of it. Like if you look at like Astro city Samaritan, right? He works, he's an, he works, uh, as a journal, not a journalist per se, but he's a writer. His power set is largely Superman-like. And the first issue of Astro City is basically about his what he dreams about at night. So the yeah. less we can spend on who Samaritan is, the better. As you read Astro City, you learn more about Samaritan. He's very different than Superman. Right. But he still has the trappings of a Superman-type character. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think it's it, it's tough to come up with new superheroes. And also, Superman is popular for a reason. Uh, even Wildcat, who's not like a hugely popular character, he's still in DC Comics. They still do. He still shows up. He showed up in an issue of Sandman we covered. Right. People dig him. So there's something about an aged boxer working with superheroes that connects with people. So there's a reason he would that type of thing would show up again. There's, um, there's, I wonder if it's like each individual comic book fan kind of goes through a development cycle. Originally you read all comics that you like, and then eventually you get hungry for superhero stories that are like this kind of superhero story where it's taking tropes and turning them on their head. Um, you know, because you've read all the archetypes and tropes, now you're hungry for them to to be played with. I wonder, is that a thing a lot of people get into? It's funny. Is that it something is that individuals get into or just like a whole generation? Is it just like, well, as it's a generation, we have all seen heroes so much that like we need a little twist on them to be interested in them again. I, I don't think this is why the writers and artists make these books, what I'm about to say, but I do think it probably helps the books get made in the sense that like an indie book, like I was saying, like uh, Jeff Lemire's got a book about a underwater welder. It's really good. I don't know how well that sells. Right. But a book about superheroes trapped in, in, in a farm, superheroes, that'll help sell a book. So Dark Horse is like, we can sell this a little easier. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of an entryway to reading other books by Jeff Lemire. And once you read other books by Jeff Lemire, now you're reading indie books. Uh, you're no longer just reading superhero stuff. So like you need lots of like these things. Zot was sort of that way for uh, us or for me at least. Like I read Zot because the first 10 issues were superhero books. Right. There was a twist to it, but I read it because it was like a cool as a, he was a good artist 
he's a fun character. He's a superhero. But then like it's, it switches into a high school drama where we get to hang out with the D and D nerds. Yeah. Um, and that was really good too. And it sort of tricks you into reading an indie book because you, you're reading it because of the superhero best friend they have that they never really show up. He barely shows up in the comic. Uh, so I think those things just happen every now and then where it's just, it's a nice entryway. Bone is a tough sell to somebody who's never read a non-superhero comic. Right. Uh, all the more amazing why Bone was such a big hit. Uh, but this is not uh, as tough a sell. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's definitely, uh, but I also, but I do think like Jeff Lemire is doing these comics because he wants to tell superhero stories his way. Uh-huh. Uh, Astro City is definitely Kurt Busiek wanting to tell superhero stories and to do it. The superhero stories he wants to tell needs a universe of characters. And so he built his own universe and with Alex Ross and Brent Anderson used existing archetypes as jumping off points uh, and then flesh them out to make them their own, but then tell the stories he wants to tell, which like I said, a story about Superman dreaming is a cool story. Yeah. Um, the specifics of that story probably don't work for Superman uh, right. in DC comics, but they do work for his Superman. He basically can make the Superman fit the story he wants to tell. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and some of their archetypes are, are more surface level. I think like in Astro City that what I would say the Spider-Man type is probably Jack in the Box. Right. He's nothing like Spider-Man. Other right. than he's like an agile. He's closer to Daredevil. May He's not even really Daredevil. He's not any of those guys. Yeah. But he just sort of he's he like. He reminded a, me most of he's, Spider-Man. He's like jumping around the city making jokes. Yeah. So he felt like Spider-Man. But other than that, he has nothing in common with Spider-Man. Or the Wonder Woman character is just like a strong female character. The Valkyrie, uh, the, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I know, I forget what her name is. Is uh, it that? The Batman yeah. character is a vampire. You know, it's just like they're, <laughs> they're not really those things at all. But they fit those things. Like they, Also, these books work, right? Justice League works not just because they were thrown together, but there's something fun about Superman standing next to Batman, right? Having like sort of this very good heroic character next to this very dark, uh, shadowy character. And they're working together on the same team with a science fiction hero like Green Lantern. It's sort of a a, a feet on the literally feet on the ground man, like uh, Flash and a water man, like Aquaman, like these sort of just like elemental types all thrown together. It works, and it's if you can't mix it up too much, or like, it's just like, oh, it's a bunch of strong dudes running around. It doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I, I think it's why the Avengers, which switched for a while to be Wolverine, Spider Man, uh, Luke Cage, like a bunch of almost street level characters, uh, always resets to Iron Man, Captain America, Thor. There's something about those three that just works. Yeah. Science, magic, and uh, a legend. Like those three just work off each other in a way that, I mean, they weren't even the original three, right? Uh, you don't, yeah. Giant Man doesn't feel as big a part of it. Uh, and Wasp don't feel as big a part of the Avengers, but those three always need to be a part of it to, to make it feel like the Avengers in the long run. They always yeah. come back. Winged Victory. That's the character. Winged Victory, yes. Yeah, Valkyrie is a, a Marvel character, I think. There right. might also be one Astro City. It's right. Um, 
Yeah, there are just some primal colors that people want in their paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, I'm glad I read it. I, um, I'd, I'd like to read more of it. It's a nice little... Also, I like that it's not hugely long. Yeah, you're not... I mean, you could just read the main 24 issues, 25 issues, whatever it is, um, and you've got um, the whole story. And everything else is 100% extra. It is not... Yeah essential to that story doesn't there's nothing in those stories that even because basically they, they're all leaping off of things said in this it goes the other way right something is said in this comic and then they told a story about it it wasn't like yeah. oh they're referencing something from one of these other stories right so it, it they're works expanding really well. little asides yeah they're a bunch of spinoffs even though most of those spinoffs take place prior to this yeah. story uh, yeah I mean I recommend it a lot of uh, Jeff Lemire's name is the name to check out if you see it on a book uh, he, he and Matt Kent are good friends, too. Jeff Lemire also did a bunch of stuff for Valiant Comics that I mentioned last week where where, uh, um, where their main characters like Exo Manowar and things like that. I forget which books he did, but he did a bunch of books for them, too, and they were also all really good. Yeah. They brought in these like two weird-thinking guys to do their superhero line, and it was a smart, smart move. Somebody out there, hire my brother to be your Stan Lee, your editor of the comics line, and your comics line will get better. Um, should we Just, do some I'm email? Up real quick, which Valiant books he did? Oh, he did a book called The Valiant, which is like a team-up book. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that it? Was that all he did then? Oh, no. He also did Blood uh, um, Bloodstone? What's his name? Bloodshot. The character that's now a Vin Diesel movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, the, that it's a Vin Diesel movie? Yeah. Came out just as the pandemic started. It's a, uh, basically a, a, a sort of a Punisher Wolverine mix, a guy who heals very fast, but like is a mercenary. But there's a lot more to him. He's got sort of, he's, he's been brainwashed and there's, there is some cool stuff to him, but he's a Vin Diesel movie written by a guy, Jeff Lemire, who's sort of this indie comic writer. So it's a really cool comic because he just does uh, cool stuff with it. Uh, yes, we have uh Emails, Will. I'm looking at how many characters are in Astro City. It's crazy. I mean, Astro City is bonkers. We should cover some of those issues at some point. Boy, oh boy. So many, so many characters are named and, and all that. I mean, nothing, nothing will top the Hanged Man for me. Hang, I mean, that Hanged Man story is one of the all-time best comic book stories I've ever read. Me too. It's only half an issue long, too. Makes me cry. I think it's maybe even less, right? It's like it's eight a, pages, maybe? I don't know. It's something crazy. It's a winner. It's a winner. Yeah, it's a home run. Towering shot. Uh, we've got some emails. If you want to email us, you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Screwitspidey. And we have an Instagram, screwitcomics, um, and a Twitter, screwitcomics. Those are our main top-level social media channels. If you're nuts... And you can't get enough of us. You can also look at Screw It Recent and Screw It Spidey on Instagram. Our first email is from Matthew Montgomery. Uh, he's responding to our Immortal Hulk uh, episode. Okay. Hey, Milk Sops. Long time. Third time. Just wanted to chime in about Immortal Hulk. As Kevin wondered how it uh, read to someone who without a deep knowledge of Hulk. I picked it up earlier this year because I had heard it had some great body horror, which is my jam, <laughs> and loved it without being too, too confused. I think it's just great writing, and I'm in love with the art. 
I want to thank you guys because I was generally disinterested in the character and likely wouldn't have picked it up at all if not for your run about the first set of Hulk comics that showed me how funny actually was. Yeah. Marvel. Marvel, you owe us. You owe us another reader. <laughs> That's one that we take credit for. Yep. I do think when they eventually shut down my Instagram for posting images from their comics, uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen. There's so many of these things, but like they're owned by Disney. Anything's possible. Yeah. That I'm just like, I, I, I do sell your comics in a way. Yeah. Um, Overly uh, no policing from... intellectual property online is, I think, does doesn't doesn't help the company too much. No, um, but sometimes they do it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh that's it for Matt. No question there. Uh, Justin Bridge emails us. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's a big fan of Sasquatch, um, and it talks a little bit about Sasquatch's history, uh, which we were not aware of. He doesn't go into a ton of detail. I'm not going to read it. Uh, uh, the main part of about it. He talks a little bit about the Tanarak demon that possessed him. Uh, it talks about how much he enjoyed the John Byrne issues of Alpha Flight. Um, but he does bring up one thing that I did not know about Sasquatch, which I want to read to you, Will. Okay. Uh, side note, but a great one. One iteration of Alpha Flight recruited who they thought was Sasquatch, but was actually a real Sasquatch into Alpha Flight. <laughs> they thought he just had amnesia. <laughs> That's very funny. It is very, very funny, and I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. I have not read much <laughs> Alpha Flight at all. I read the first, like, 20 issues, I think, and I, I liked it. I liked all the of The first John issue Bur- made John Byrne a lot of money, from what I've heard. John Byrne did, like, the first 13 or 14. I don't know. I, I read the first batch. Uh, we have an email from Max Fox Rendell, also about the Immortal Hulk. Uh, hi, Milk Sops. I've been reading the Immortal Hulk recently and loved the new horror twist with the characters, especially Betty's new look, which uh, we had not gotten to in the issues we covered uh, for this comic. So I don't know if Will knows about it, but it's great. Here's my question. Which other Marvel characters would you like to see in a horror themed book? And that's interesting. Um, You know, who fits that kind of surreal noirish? I think like um, I always think of like Twin Peaks as my ideal kind of scary, creepy vibe. So I think like detective. So maybe mm. like Daredevil, like someone who could like investigate on the ground. My not, not like Doctor to, Strange because it's too easy for him to get to like weird. Yeah, stuff. Doctor Strange would be very easy to do a horror comic, and it's probably been done. Uh, or Cloak and Dagger would also probably be pretty easy. Yeah. Um, my pick is Fantastic Four. Oh, interesting. I think like there's some something weird about their bodies that if you're doing like a complete departure from what makes the Fantastic Four the Fantastic Four and entered into this sort of horror comic, it'd be interesting to explore it with a stretchy dude, a guy on fire, an invisible woman, and a man made of rocks. Yeah. Um, in the Fantastic Four movie that came out and was bad... Gotta, you can have to narrow it down. Uh, the most recent that's one, one of that's one of three movies you've just. So. The most recent one was the worst one. Um, yes, is that the one you're thinking of? Yes, there was a scene where they're all getting tortured by the by the government or something. Yeah, uh, maybe they're just getting tested, but they're it's being done like in horrific ways, and there was kind of a glimpse of what the FF would look like if they're being kind of set up to be unsettling. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would love it as a permanent status quo for the FF, but for like a five to 50 year run, <laughs> I'd be interested in it. But f- over 50 years, I'd probably get tired of it. So no more than 50 years, please. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, your, your standard 12 issues a year, not Marvel's uh, sometimes accelerated schedule. If they're doing that, I still, it'd be less than, it'd be less than 50 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be fun. I think it'd be fun to see those characters. I think like there were moments in that movie that you could see, I mean, that Fantastic Four movie is maybe the definition of too many cooks. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were, there were pieces of a good movie in there for sure. Yeah. Like that scene of them being tortured. That might not be the Fantastic Four movie I want to see, but that could be a good fantastic. That could be a good movie. Yeah. It'd be a shame for that to be a, the uh, the first good Fantastic Four movie before we've had like a true Fantastic Four movie. But yeah. you could do that well. Yeah. I mean, it's like the New Mutants movie, which I have not seen and I have not heard much about, where they're sort of like, uh, they seem to be all trapped in an asylum or something. It seems like a horror uh, movie, like a, a scary movie, not body horror necessarily, but like psychological scary horror. Yeah. Using the New Mutants characters. I mean, I'm into it. Look, we've had yeah. a bunch of X-Men movies. Let's throw a cannonball uh, in something different. Yeah. Um, You know, you got to do it well. That's the, the trick. That's not how I want it. You want it done poorly. That's what I want to see. Okay. Uh, Robert Christ emails with the subject, you like building teams, question mark, which I don't know if we do. We just yeah. keep getting asked to do it. Right. We're not good at it. Um, This is a long email. Uh, I'm gonna. Well, I'll I'll read it. Uh, so the Ringer, which is a website, well, are you familiar with the Ringer? Yes. Great. Has a podcast called Binge Mode, and one of the questions they got on there was asking who they would put on their Quidditch team. Uh, and Will, do you know what Quidditch is? Is that the Harry Potter sport? It is. Okay. Yes. Uh, you'll need to know about it in a little more detail to answer this question. So I'm gonna read this next bit. Uh, each team has a goalie. The uh-huh. keeper, a person who has one job, which is to catch a single very small and very fast flying ball. That, right. Um, uh, and that is the role I think Harry Potter uh, is on the no, team. No, he's, he's the striker, I think. Or he's like the seeker. Uh, well, he wrote keeper. Maybe he meant... the. Oh, no. So each team has a goalie, the keeper, and then comma, a person who has a job to catch a single very small and very fast flying ball, the chaser. Okay. Uh, which I, th- I think you're right. I think it's Seeker. I think he does a typo here. Three offensive people, chasers, and two defensive people, beaters. Uh, and, and the chasers and beaters are also trying to score goals through another method. Right. Throwing a ball through a hoop. You can catch and the golden worth, snitch to win it all, or you can like just score goals. Scoring goals is worth 10 points. The, catching the, 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 sn- the snitch or whatever it is is 150 points and ends the game. Yeah, uh, I should say I don't like this sport. It feels dumb to me. Feels dumb. Feels like you're doing two different sports at once, and one of them is the one that's going to end it all. Yeah, why not just have every have a, have a goalie and have everyone else chasing this snitch? Yeah, and win that way. Anyway, yeah. he wants us to uh, to uh, make a Marvel Quidditch team. Okay. Okay, so it's going to Baby uh, Yoda be my goalie because he's good at like making balls like float and control. But sure, but not Baby Yoda is not a Marvel superhero, so. Yeah, okay. Um, You're out. Okay. Um, I'll have so you, Speedball be my goalie. Okay. Uh, let's see. My um, Seeker, the or whoever the Harry Potter role is, where you have to be really quick and grab the thing. 
Yeah. Um, Quicksilver. Sure. Uh, for the beaters, how many beaters? Um, two beaters. Thing and Hulk. Great. Okay. <laughs> and then for the chasers. Yes, three of those. Three chasers. These are so these are kind of like your four words in soccer. Yeah. Okay. What's some agile? I'll call it Spider Man, Daredevil, and um, Captain America. All right. I, mean, I think my team is great. I think you're in deep trouble. Uh, I need to pick a team now? Yeah, you have to pick a team to beat my team. And I can't use any of the guns you picked? <laughs> no. <yeah. laughs> that feels unfair. You got Quicksilver as your secret. I guess we should like maybe do, I pick one, you pick one. Like It is weird that I get to pick the whole team first. No, no, that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, so who, is, who am I going to have chasing this thing around? I mean, Quicksilver's uh, on a broom. He might be his powers might be. T- I don't. Know, I don't know how the I'm, Hulk's gonna do in a broom either. I'll, uh, uh, I'm gonna take uh, Namor as my seeker. Okay. He's I mean, maybe determined. I should have him as a beater, but I want that guy flying around. Okay. And I think he could uh, knock out Namor if he needs to. Just body tell him that somebody him. that the other team talked trash about the Atlanteans and pride will motivate him. Uh, my beaters, <laughs> the Hulk and thing, are <laughs> off. <laughs> Off the table, so I'm gonna go for two strong guys without those guys. I guess Luke Cage. I, you know, I'll do Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Iron Fist maybe doesn't seem like a great choice, but I like the the teammates. Oh, they work together well. Yeah, they're they're friends. Uh, my keeper, my goalie. Who is your goalie? Um, who did I say my goalie was? I forget. Did you not pick a goalie? Maybe I didn't pick a goalie. Mr. Fantastic. Okay, great. You just, just want to make stretch sure. out and cover the goal. Sorry, if you want to take Namor or uh, Luke <laughs> no, no, Hager, no, no, no. I guess you get them to be your <laughs> no, goalie. fine. I don't pick them. Um, so my keeper, so who's going to be my goalie? Oh, no, Speedball was your goalie. Oh, that's right. Okay, shoot. That was a bad pick. All right, Speedball is my goalie. Isn't he good at, like, moving balls around or something? I forget no. his powers. No, he just bounces around himself. Uh, shoot, he's not going to be good. That's a weak point in my team. <laughs> He's going to immediately <laughs> trip, fall down, and ricochet He's not going to be able to hang with the team when they go out on events. Like He is going to be outclassed. Um, great. So my goalie, uh, I mean, I'd love to have Daredevil as my goalie, but he's off the table. Yeah, he's on. He's a chaser. Um, uh, uh, He'd be a good goalie. That's, um, a much, that's smart. I'll have uh, Thor. Okay. <laughs> and my chasers, um, I want guys who can uh, um, turn on a dime. That's what that's what I'm looking for. So uh, what do we got? Who are who are the who are the uh, Iron Man, uh, Falcon, and um, uh, who else flies around good? I mean, do you want War Machine? You can just have two Iron Men, basically. No way. That's cheating. Okay. Um. Uh, I want Iron Man, Green Goblin. Falcon. Yeah, Green Goblin. Get he's, <laughs> oh, that guy's built for broomsticks. Yeah. So that's my team. Uh, you didn't pick. Um, who's your chaser? Your seeker? Uh, my seeker was uh, oh, Namor. 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 Okay, yeah. Yeah, those are two Imperious good. Furious Rex. Yeah. Uh, he also asked us to do it for DC. I don't think we're gonna do that though. That's. Uh, we wasted too much time, but that's fun. Maybe another. His time. picks were Iron Man for Seeker. Okay. Uh, the tech helps. He says his chasers were Doctor Strange, Wong, and Falcon. 
Okay. Uh, he wants to use wizard portals, I guess. Uh, Rocket and Groot for his beaters. Uh, I mean, they'd be the chemistry. funniest beaters. They'd be very funny. Spider-Man as his goalie because he could web the goal shot. I feel like that should be cheating, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for his DC team, Crypto was a seeker. <laughs> yeah, go fetch the ball. Yeah. His chasers were Shazam, Nightwing, and Starfire. Um, his beaters were Hawkgirl and Hawkman. Okay. Uh, and his keeper was Green Lantern because he could use his ring to block the goal. I don't think anyone's scoring any goals here. Yeah. It must be embarrassing for Flash and Superman not to get to be the seeker and a dog gets the part. But. <laughs> like the Flash can travel, run so fast he travels through time. <laughs> and Superman is the human version of Crypto. <laughs> and they didn't get the call. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Uh, he also asked if we played the popular Marvel board game, Marvel Champions, which is a living card game where you build specialized decks and battle fo- foes. Uh, he sent some uh, links to vi- uh, gameplay videos. I've never played this game. Have you, Will? I have not. Yeah. So uh, I'll try to watch those videos. Uh, I don't love the ones where you have to, if it's collectible cards, where you have to keep buying more cards. I'm less interested in it. That's the I only way I get hooked. In the set. Uh, one more email. You ready for it, Will? Yes. This is from Tim Murphy. Uh, this is also a long one. He talks a little bit about Sandman. Let's see. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I want to say how much I enjoyed the Sandman season. I read the first five or six volume years ago before I was very into comics, but a big Neil Gaiman book fan, but I never finished it. Uh, for his novels, I love... Neverwhere, Stardust, and The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Great reads, all. The last one is an absolute masterpiece. Not as much American Gods, which I think you and I agreed on, though he labels it as a hot take. (laughs) Um, uh, That said, Anasi Boys, I listened to it as an audio book on a road trip with the family, and we all loved it. There are some fantastic audio book versions read by Neil. Neverwhere is also great. That I wonder if either of you have ever listened to. No. No. His voice and delivery are great. Yeah, that's not true. I listened to American Gods audiobook. Oh, yeah? Does he read it? Uh, no, not the one I heard. Okay. Um, his voice and delivery are great. I highly recommend. There's apparently a great version of Sandman in audiobook just out. That is amazing, but I think I'm a, I'm full of Morpheus for now. I've listened to the first two episodes of the Sandman audiobook, and they are very well produced, and it's very fun to listen to. It's just a pretty faithful telling of the comic, so I think if you've read the comic recently... I don't think you'll, there's a lot to be gained by hearing the audiobook, but if you haven't read the comic and you prefer audio stuff, it's a good way to read that first series, first two. There you go. That's coming from Will, the foremost expert on the Sandman. That's me, number one Sandman expert. Uh, Tim goes on to say, going back to Sandman, I just started. I decided to start at the beginning again and finish the whole series thanks to you guys, and some. And I'm so glad I did. Some great arcs and a really unique story. Uh, while I still think I prefer his books, I can see how this really clicked with people and brought people into the genre. I'm not sure why I didn't love it on my first exposure. This time around, I like it much more, and I'm pleased that I filled in some holes in my gaming bibliography. Yeah, this is a big one. Yeah. Uh, I also read Batman Year One, thanks to you. Ooh. Uh, grudgingly, as I am tired of Batman's origin. It was actually really good and a fresh take on it, as impossible as that seems. So thanks again. So glad to hear it. I'm both pleased, but also, in a way, not surprised, just because Batman Year One is so fantastic. Batman Year One is 
of all the things we've recommended, the most slam dunk of anything. Somebody uh, ever emails us and they're like, we hate, I hated your one. I'm, I'm genuinely curious why we've had yeah. some people be lukewarm on it and that I can understand. Yep. Cause you sometimes just aren't in a place where you're ready for a particular character or a story. It's just like, you're just not, it's not going to hit you, but yeah. to app dislike it. Give me a, give me a break. I said, be, be really tough. Uh, he says he missed our Justice League seasons because I generally read Marvel slash indie. I might go read a little just to make sure I'm not being an elitist. I think you'll enjoy the Justice League International stuff. Um, but fun. now he wants to talk about Immortal Hulk. Okay. Uh, to answer your question, Kevin, I think this is the question about whether or not uh, someone who has not read a lot of Hulk gets it. Uh, this series had me scratching my head as a non-Hulk reader. It may not come as a huge surprise to know that your podcast led me to the most of the Hulk knowledge I had coming into it. I went and dipped into a little bit of Peter David run, thanks to your recommendations, but not much beyond. As I was reading the series, I found myself stopping and looking up researching stuff. Why Betty is a uh, redacted, because I think Will's going to keep reading, so I don't want to spoil it. But why Betty looks like she does. Uh, I didn't mind this, and it might just be... In the deep uh, diver for me, maybe others could would just gloss over and press on. I do think the story does. I do think the story does stand alone. Hmm. I also agree with you that uh, that I like that the series doesn't skip canon and tries to include it all. Hulk is such a wild, freewheeling character, and Immortal Hulk incorporating all of it is almost a meta commentary on the whole thing, which I am sure is intentional. Overall, it is really great and also very strange in my opinion. Will you should catch up and read the rest. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, it's interesting to know. Yeah. Um, I do think like that the Betty thing is one of the weirder things that happens in the comic. Um, that is from the history of the comics, but it's not something I read in the comics. It was something I was vaguely aware of. Um, but it does, that's as I said, that stuff doesn't bother me. I'm just sort of like, Oh, cool. That's from something. It's sort of like when we read this Sandman, um, uh, a Prez issue, and we talked about how we read it as kids and didn't know Prez was a thing, and now knowing right. that, it's like, oh, that's cool too. Yeah, uh, that's how it always feels to me. It's like, oh yeah, there's been lots of stuff in the Hulk history that's weird, and this is one of them. Cool, great. Yeah. Uh, what else are you reading, Will and Kev? Any love for Jeff Lemire? Maybe Black Hammer. He suggests. Wow. Well, this is the email. This is the episode for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you've mentioned Hickman. I assume you're reading X Men. Uh, did you read X-Men? Well, have you read any of the X-Men? I haven't yet. Um, uh, ben Rogers, our friend Ben Rogers, I got a, that just reminds me. He wants me to go borrow them from him because he thinks reading them in print is better than digital. So I might go do that. Yeah. the uh, I do think the the launching uh, comics that launched the Jeff Hickman, uh, sorry, uh, not, is it Jeff Hickman? John Hickman? Whatever. Tom Hickman's, Hickman? Uh, whatever his first name is. Jay Hickman. <laughs> Uh, are great. I think they're great, but it's become so sprawling. I sort of I'm losing interest in it. Uh, he's asking if we've read the new Daredevil. It's written by our pal Jonathan Chip- Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. I knew it was Jay. Uh, he asked if we're reading the new Daredevil. It's written by our pal Chip Zdarsky, and it's good. It's really good. Chip's uh just really good. Unfortunately, Chip's good at everything. Yeah, he's uh amazing. He can draw and write, and he's funny, and he's nice. Uh, and Daredevil is another example of that. It's a really great Daredevil run. Way to go, Chip. Um, uh, he's asking for any other beaten off the beaten path recommendations. 
Uh, I mean, Bang, which we talked about last episode, would be mine. Anything by Kent, I lo- I really like. Um, uh, I mean, these three comics that I'm we're doing this uh, little mini season are sort of my recommendations to people if they haven't read them. So, yeah, uh, and I don't read new comics it. anymore, so I don't really have recommendations. Nothing from yeah. the current decade. Uh, but yeah, that's basically it. So Tim just wants uh, to talk about that stuff. Uh, we we've we've now read Black Hammer. Will saying he's probably going to read more. I've read it all. Uh, it's good. Yeah. I, yeah, I read everything. It's all good. I like everything. <laughs> and, um, what's the what's the movie reviewing? Letterboxd. Letterboxd. I do. I read. I watch movies and I review them there mostly just because I like having a list of every movie I've watched. Yeah, and I've only started doing it recently. But like every movie I watch, I'm like. I think the lowest I've given is like three and a half stars. And just now I'm putting in all my reviews. is like, I like everything. Yeah. It takes a lot for me to like. Did you put in those Jackie Chan movies we watched? Yeah, I reviewed those. Those are in there. Yeah. Uh, I'm just sort of like, yeah, I liked it. I don't care what people think. (laughs) People never want to like movies. I'm just like, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, I feel that way sometimes about comics too. Uh, I don't have time to pretty, read everything. I'm, I, I feel kinda, like the, I'm a pretty easy sell for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah um, I'm, I'm not somebody who's going to... I mean, it's not true completely, but it's it's like I'm not... I'm, if I start something, I tend to like finish the movie or, or... There's a lot of TV shows I'll watch one or two episodes and not keep watching, but that's mostly a time thing. If I had unlimited time, I would watch more. Yeah. So I'm sorry to everything I'm not watching or reading. Uh, I just don't have time. Uh, that's the end of thanks our mini for, season, Will. Um, thanks for emailing us, everybody. Screwed Spidey at Gmail to send us email. Yeah, um, send us email. Yeah, that's the end of it'll be it'll be a few weeks before we get to them, so we'll probably have a ton coming in January. But still, email us. Email us. We love hearing from We'd you. We'd love to hear what you think about any of the stuff we're talking about. Um, yeah, end of our mini season. Um, Kevin, happy holidays. Um, I look forward to picking up Secret Wars. Yeah, Will. Have a good Christmas. I'm not going to talk to you till um, it's over. This, yeah, I refuse no, to talk to you. I will not speak to you again until we begin recording our next episode yeah. of the podcast. So, um, oh, I want to say one more thing about Immortal Hulk. Okay, great. In the first issue, it's two weeks uh, ago, Will, you waited two weeks to say this. Yes, uh, in the letters page where the writer is talking about kind of like how excited he is to be doing the story or whatever, he says he got into Hulk because of the six issue digest when he was a kid. The same thing that we got into. Right. Those things were big things. Uh, I think lots of people read those. Those were huge. Yep. I, th- I think that to some extent, these new epic collections that Marvel's putting out are going to really help launch people's uh, love of comics and or if they become writers later on, the stuff that they love. Because they're yeah. just so nice to have like, oh, all the Ditko stuff in these nice big volumes. It's like they're just putting out the best stuff in those things first or the most popular stuff. And it's just really cool way to get into it. That's all. The digests don't exist, but now we have these like color tomes uh, that are relatively cheap. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what I want to say. So, yeah. well, um, thanks for listening to our mini season, everybody. And we'll see you guys in January slash here, here. You, well, we won't hear you. Yeah. You'll hear us in January. Talk about secret wars. Yeah. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it um, when it starts up again. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about comics.
Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with grills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.